0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Welcome back to part two of Spotlight, the red pilling of America. You're listening to part two of my conversation. I'm Tanya Pinkins with Joanna Carpenter on You Can't Say That on the Broadway Podcast Network.
0: You is kind, you is smart, you is important, you is dead. Tanya Pinkins' horror film, Red Pill, brings African-American perspective to progressive movement.
1: We are a majority in this country and we're gonna win the election. Do you know what the red pill is? A red pill is someone who infiltrates a group and then destroys them from the inside. This place is spooky. Some people like to live dangerously. Guess why are you so jumpy tonight? You know what, guys? I'm gonna go back tomorrow.
2: Did you hear about the creature woman that attacked a father
0: and son hunting down here? I don't see the case. This
1: place creeps me out. Ah! I think we should call the sheriff's office. The only people missing or dead are brown people. They're after all of us.
0: What do we do, Amelia? We die but we take some of them with us.
2: I think the most fascinating
1: thing for me about the party of the Republicans is that um, they are a party that actually does not live by any of the values that they preach to their constituents. Yes. so they don't have a problem with abortion same-sex marriage you know the things that they do in their own homes and their families but it's about power over and what is the argument that will get us uh power yeah and, so and it that's fascinating because it's a manipulation and it's a dishonest one but it works
2: it works because they're the underlying thread to all of it is white supremacy It is white power and it is white supremacy. People, the amount of I've gotten perhaps unreasonably frustrated at the amount of people who I've seen over the last four years go. I can't believe this is America. I can't believe this. This is you know it's like, and so many people going. This is this is not America. No, this is this is exactly who America is. The Constitution, the country. You look white to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And honestly,
1: be white. Do what? You get to be white, that thing I don't that understand. people call white, because I don't believe in white, but that thing that people call white, do you get to be it sometimes? Um,
2: I mean, it's not my problem what other people think of my ethnicity. Um, You know, I've I've dealt with enough erasure and enough uh, size of relief out of people who've gone, oh my God, you don't even look Asian, that uh, the damage has been done Mm. From things like that. The damage has been done and it's been done very deeply. Um, and it has stymied my ability to continue searching for myself. Um, but I think I perceive myself and my identity, how I perceive myself and my identity. There are things about, you know, being raised in a very small, very white racist town that made it very clear that I was an other. Mm. And There are things about my family, you know, my white family, that I'm very proud of because of the quality of the actions that those were, not because they're rooted in whiteness. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also a lot of things that I'm ashamed of, you know, like my mom, bless her, I, I love her dearly, but it's like, she is of the generation that, you know, she, she's, she's a child of the seventies and thinks that she's like super progressive and, Mm. um, thinks that she's not racist and she constantly erases my identity Mm. and she constantly devalues, um, you know, the, what it's like to be Asian American in America right now, especially in the midst of (laughs) the China virus, which is super fun every time I have to sneeze on public transit, I freak the fuck out. And I just like, I just like cover my face because there's nothing that can be done. I'm like, oh, sneezing while Asian, it's no good. Um, But you know, I I choose to be who I am and I choose to take pride in the good, bad and ugly of both my Chinese heritage, which there's a lot there that I'm not proud of. Um, You know, Chinese culture is very racist, very, very racist. and I choose to look clearly at what I don't like about both sides culturally. Um, but I've, I've, with the help of you know my immediate community, I have been able to kind of just get to this point where I don't really give a shit how people perceive me because just because someone sees me as white doesn't make me any less Asian. And it's my job to continue showing up with integrity and showing up with truth and questioning my culture and exploring my culture and, you know, looking at all sides of it and understanding how I can be the most of service from the perspective and lived existence of a Chinese American woman. That's my job.
1: Now, I know you were a bartender. I bet you got, like, I want to hear a crazy bartender story because I bet you got one or two or three or four. (laughs)
2: Oh my God. You know, I've been in hospitality for like 17 years, um, and been on, been on all sides of the bar. Um, in terms of crazy stories,
1: all sides of the bar, like how many sides does a bar have?
2: No, I mean, in terms of the positions that can be held on either side of the bar, uh, I've been a bartender. (laughs) I've been a bartender since I was 18. Um, and obviously bartended for quite a long time when I got to New York. Um, but I've also, uh, you know, I've I've worked for brands. Um, I've done creative consulting for brands. I have built beverage programs at some very recognizable places. Um, I've done a ton of uh, diversity and inclusion education behind the scenes. Who's um, <laughs> trying to call you? <laughs> um, I have. Uh, I've produced a ton of events. I built and ran uh a bar program um you know for about a year before I stepped away from that I've kind of I've just like done a fuck ton of stuff um so in inter- god crazy stories it's funny because I try and like block them out because it's just so much I think Why do you try to block them out? Because people are so crazy When they go out, it's like it's the same mindset where it's like you go to a hotel and you jump on the bed with your shoes on because it's not your house and you don't have to clean up after you. It's that same mentality that people go to bars with. Um, Actually, not a nightmare story, but a very cute story um, that I cherish, uh, probably will cherish for the rest of my life. So um, I was head bartender at a French restaurant on the Upper West Side. And Roger Reese, rest in peace, and his partner came in one night Um, and they were so lovely. And I just kept looking at him and I was like, God, he looks familiar. He looks familiar. He looks familiar. And I like at the time prided myself on being like, you know, a working actress and I'm auditioning all the time and I'm booking summer stock and I'm doing all this stuff. And I know so much about the industry. And so I had made them like their second martini And then it clicked and I was like, oh my God. And I was like, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. But did you play Fred in the movie, A Christmas Carol with George C. Scott? And he was like, well, yes, I did. And I was like, oh my God, I've grown up with you. That's like my, my favorite Christmas movie. Like, thank you so much. He was literally on Broadway right then at that moment in The Addams Family. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So she knows so much about theater. This was years ago, obviously, but I like, just like Joanna, sit down. But he was so gracious and so lovely and just such a gem of a human. And we like, we chatted and just, oh my God, just the kindest. Um, So that was, that's like a behind the bar memory that I'm always like, oh.
1: I love those humbling moments. Like one day I was walking in my hallway and there was a woman in a wheelchair down the hall and she dropped something and I walked down the hall and I live in an artist building. Okay. You know, Manhattan Plaza. I walked down the hall to pick it up cause I knew it'd be hard for her in her wheelchair. And she was like, Oh, thank you. Which agency do you work for?
2: Oh my goodness. And I was like, oh. I love it. You know, people huh. will take you right back to being humble right in a moment. Uh-huh. They will. Oh my God. No good deed goes (laughs) unfinished.
1: They're
2: good. You know, they're, they're good, especially, and I, I always have those moments just when I think I'm on top of shit. You know what I mean? Like just when I get to the moment where I'm like, Oh, I know so many things. This is rad. There will be something where I will just like step on a proverbial rake and it's like, take a seat, sweetheart. You know, a lot of things, but you don't know everything you need to just. I think that's the universe really blessing
1: you when it when it keeps reminding you that there's just no end to what we can learn. We never know enough. I'm reading a sand talk by Tyson Yunkaporta, and he says the original sin and what the first people, aboriginal people say is Lucifer or Satan or the devil is to believe you are above anything, including yes. a which is sentient, which I've always known rocks were sentient.
2: Yes. Yes. It's oh my, I mean, yes. Yeah. All of that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm agreeing in all caps.
1: So I would imagine that you get, you're not Asian enough. You're not white enough. You're Latina enough. They're like, what are you, We what are we going to do with you? So um, how are you shaping your own path of your work in terms of, what you want to do, because it doesn't really matter what they decide you are. You're going to have to say, this is what I am.
2: I am leaving theater um, oh, and whoa. pursuing television full-time. Um, I mean, because here's, here's the thing about me is I, the amount of casting directors in this city who have had the audacity to take me all the way to final callbacks for the of tracks Um, some classic ingenues, some new contemporary musical theater ingenues, and then turn around and go, God, you're not going to book this because you just read as too smart. Okay. I can't, I can't play stupid. And if me playing stupid is going to be what best services the text, this is not a show that I want to be a part of. Hmm. And the amount of casting directors and gatekeepers who have said, I just don't know what to do with you. You're so ambiguous and like edgy and making it seem like it's my fault. And the thing is, I have always had a skill for drama. I have always had a skill for comedy. And now what I started last year is stunt training because the goal is to have like the Charlize Theron track. So now I'm doing Yay. weapons. work. I've been boxing for four years. Oh. I'm doing MMA. We're getting into sparring now. And so in TV land, while it's definitely not ideal yet, and we know this, um, In TV land, I don't have to diminish myself anymore and I don't have to dumb myself down and put myself in a box for creative teams and casting directors who do not know how to be creative with a classically trained Asian-American woman with short hair now, like they- Oh, you'll meet them,
1: you'll meet them. I promise you the universe will introduce you to them.
2: I trust the universe universe doing exactly what I am supposed to be encountering. But as theater is now, I'm so disgusted with the fact that there is no place for me in it and there has not been a place for me in it. I don't want to do the So you're God. You get to play God. Tell me the next five (laughs) years
1: of your post-COVID career. You're God. Tell me it. The next Mm -hmm. five years of your post-COVID career. What's it look like? Uh, Marvel. Marvel. Marvel
2: Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like I would I would love to do a movie musical as 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 cheesy as those are. Like when Chicago came out, I was like that, that shit right there. Um, but also, you know, I'm I I have fallen in love with Shakespeare recently, and I would like to just like start from the bottom. And really dig into Shakespeare, even if it's some just like nitty gritty bullshit production that nobody sees in a place that nobody knows. Um, I want the opportunity to do that.
0: In that case,
1: I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Do you know Alice, Alexandra Silver? God, that name sounds familiar. I probably should. Maybe you, do.
1: you favor her to me, and she's super, super smart, super, super talented. Um, like you could play her body double or stand-in and something. Really look her up. And she's written like three novels. Oh, um nice. uh, yeah, yeah. Look at look at her. She's got a very I think she got her book deal because of a, a blog that she did. Uh, just a super smart girl, but she still can play that new track. And she let me tell you, but her knowledge of Shakespeare, she oh. has memorized it all and she can yeah. quote chapter and verse, you know, which folio.
2: Okay. <clears throat> I will look her up. That's amazing. That'll, that'll be, that'll be some good, some good inspiration. I need that. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: yeah, she's, yeah. She's what late. about
2: you, Tanya? What are, the, what are the next five years for you?
1: Um, I don't know if I'll be here for the next five years. So, um, you know, for however much time I get to be here, I want to, um, keep creating, Mm -hmm. I want to be of service and make places a little better for my having been there. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to keep showing a path for people who come behind me that hasn't been there before. So like with my movie, Red Pill, um, the Black Woman's Voice, you know, as much as media goes, oh, Black women saved America. Oh, Black women delivered Georgia. There's this fact still remains that um, our stories and our point of view is very rarely seen. And, you know, I sit in, um, you know, I'm in collectives with Black women filmmakers and even the ones who have, quote, made it talk about how what ends up being on the screen is not really their vision. Sure. So Red Pill is my vision. Um It is, you know, if you had to step into my shoes and look through my eyes, this is what you would see. And so Mm -hmm. I'm aware um, that many people would get that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And I'm like, of course, it doesn't make sense through your eyes. (laughs) So you have to stop and go, but this is somebody else's eyes. And, you know, I can't wait to see what you create through your eyes, through the world that you see, through your eyes, because the only way we're going to know it is for you to create something. And then we have to surrender our stories about the world existing as some kind of objective thing, because it's not. When I walk out of my apartment on ninth Avenue, there are people with masks and there are people who are partying like COVID never existed. And for many of those people who are not wearing masks, that their reality is going to be true. They're not going to get sick and they're going to be fine. And they're going to be like, what were you guys talking about? And those realities yeah. are existing simultaneously and they're all
2: valid. This is, that's actually a perfect segue. Cause my question for you next was going to be, you know, what is, what is the impact that you seek to make with the film? And is it, is it a, a period or a comma on the narrative of, what reality is for you, but also anybody like you. Hmm?
1: It's a comma. And um, I had the privilege of uh, interviewing a number of editors when I was looking for my new editor. And what was beautiful about that is they were from different cultures. And Hmm. so each of them had a different experience of it. And it was like I could see. Oh, so there's an audience who will experience that. Oh, there's an audience who will experience that. Oh, there's an odd, and so it was like, to me, that's the best part about creating art is that you know that people meet it and bring something you know, they bring a new world back to you. Like the art becomes something else through their eyes. If you're willing to go through theirs and go, really? You saw that, that scene wasn't even in it. I Don't you love it when people come up to you and tell you about a scene that they loved that wasn't in the show, but it was the scene (laughs) they needed to see it. It's like, mm, and you
2: get to go on a journey that, wow. (laughs) You're like, thank you. I worked so hard. (laughs) I love that, but it's like, The
1: reality is completely flexible and malleable and every one of us is in a different one. And for me, what is exciting is when I can sit down with someone like I'm sitting with you and every week I sit with someone and they show me their world.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What do we do about when somebody else's world crashes into ours in a way that causes harm that the other resident of that world just refuses to see?
1: Well, you see, I I, I I think you're speaking euphemistically rather than being direct about it. And here's my feeling. I reserve for myself the ability to inhabit any behavior that is possible for a human to have. I am neither above nor below any behavior that a human being could have, I can do with them. Anything a human can do, I could do it in the mm-hmm. right circumstance. So mm. um, I'm a gun owner. Um, mm. My love and my intelligence is not going to stop a bullet. But if you right. know I have a gun, you, I'm not going to be the first person you target to go shoot. Because you see right. that I'm armed too. So <laughs> I'm very practical right. about it. <laughs> Love and intelligence do not stop bullets.
2: I think that's something that, uh, a lot of folks to, to pull back to politics. I think that a lot of folks on the left are really struggling with right now because there is a, there is a propensity to cling to this idealism, um, where
1: to made up stories that have no basis in any truth or reality.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, take guns for an example. Like I, I I hate guns. I hate violence. We talked about this, but I'm also on my way to becoming a gun owner, and oh I never goodness. thought I would say that.
1: Hate is such a strong word. So if a bear was coming after your baby, would you hate violence right then? No, actually. Okay, so then you don't hate violence. Okay, so that, no, 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 no. You got you got different <laughs> rules for different places, and so I'm saying my rule is whatever is appropriate to the moment. I can do anything. And I'm going to decide what that is in the moment. I don't have blanket rules about how I'm going to live my life because I don't know what life is going to bring me. And I need to be, I need to be flexible enough and available enough spiritually, emotionally, in conscious that I can take the appropriate action.
2: This is what I was about to say, because I wonder if, you know, because this is making me think now, I wonder if leaning into the phrase, I hate violence is too much of a blockade to acknowledging the fact that I fear violence. Because there's a a different different, thing. That's a different thing, but also one of them is closer to reality.
1: Guess what? I fear violence too.
2: I don't want to be hurt.
1: Okay. I was watching a horror movie. And because I always thought, oh, I don't care if somebody's going to tell me get in the car or they got a gun in my head. I'm like, shoot me, kill me, because I'm not going with you in that damn car where you're going to do worse things to me than that. Kill me now. (laughs) But in this horror movie, that wasn't a choice. They were not going to kill you. They were Mm -hmm. going to torture you until you went along with what they wanted. And I was like that's my, that's my, that's, that's my kryptonite. That's my yep. kryptonite.
2: I'm not, yep. I'm, I'm gonna go along real quick. <laughs> yep. Yep. Cause those, yeah. I mean, cause we, I think we think of things on the binary to keep ourselves safe, whether it's thinking about violence, thinking about race, thinking about religion, thinking about gender, you know, like whatever it is, we, humans automatically need to compartmentalize in order to survive in some ways. and some people no, who are I'm not less emotional let you have that one. I'm gonna Why? Tell
1: you that every single one of these statements you make that they're that's, not, fine. not anyone you said. there's nothing you said today that was true. There's a circumstance in which everything you said to me tonight is not true. But, but it's if it's my lived story. experience then it's true. it's all a story. It's all a story, and there's a place in a space where it doesn't apply. Maybe for other people, sure. Um, Nope. I'm going to just tell you what I know. I know that truth, what is true, is the the combination of both poles. Mm -hmm. That if you experience something truth, you will be in the presence of an equal thing of both poles because there are no opposites. There really are no opposites. You know, I don't say this often, but that man in the White House, he is a phenomenal magician metaphysician. Mm -hmm. And we have to thank him for bringing us to this moment. We needed to come here. We needed to see this. This needed to be revealed. He is the instrument of this this waking up and this us seeing one another and seeing the poles and we're not going to um, we're not going to change 73 million people's minds. That's not mm-hmm. going to happen. We're right. gonna have to right. be a country where we got 73 million here and 78 million here and a bunch of people not franchised. and we're gonna have to figure out a solution that works right. for all of them, where right. nobody has to change their minds, but everybody's needs can be met that's the solution i'm looking for and i don't even see people thinking that way
2: yeah and this is you know this is what i'm saying is people people feel safer compartmentalizing on the binary but the actual existence the actual work the actual uh you know kind of like meat and potatoes of whatever the issue at hand might be is always in the middle it's always in the middle and i think it it goes back to that mentality of like reading the the headline and thinking you know the contents of the article um, because when you're just a headline reader, you're able to be manipulated. And when you don't read the contents of the article and analyze it for yourself, you become target practice for somebody like Donald Trump. If you it know, leads,
1: who- it leads.
2: Uh-huh, uh-huh, so yeah.
1: So I'm so grateful for you spending this hour with me this week. I, I'm going to have to give you my address for my gingerbread. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Thank you yes, so absolutely. much, Joanna, for coming and spending this spotlight with me. Um Thanks for having me. Stay safe, wear a mask, they save lives.
2: Always, always, always. And I know you say- are
1: gonna be kicking ass and taking names. I'm
2: trying. I look forward to um seeing the the, the magical ripple effect film has. Yes. yes. Very exciting. Very Thank exciting. you
1: everybody for coming this week and uh join us next week when I'll have Maria Judice. A filmmaker, producer, um, who runs a program called Black Films is Protest, where I've been learning about all kinds of movies I'd never ever seen or heard before. So thank you all. Please stay safe. Wear a mask. Uh, Cancel Thanksgiving. Uh, Give thanks for your health and your family, wherever they safely are. And stay safe. You know, if you're lucky, there will be another Thanksgiving. Delay gratification. Delayed gratification. It's a sign of maturity. Hi, I'm Tonya Pinkins, and I would love to hear from you. You can text me at 917-724-8998. Tell me what you're up to, and I'll let you know what I'm up to. Text me, 917-724-8998. Let's keep in touch.